Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Greg Kelly, the latest breaking news and opinions, entertaining and informative. Uh, that's me, I hope. Hey, do we really care? I mean, uh, Whoopi Goldberg said something dumb on The View. That's a job description of being on The View all morning long. Can you believe what Whoopi said? Her name is Whoopi. What do you expect? All right. Hey, Megan McCain was on that show for three years. All right. You're supposed to be stupid when you're sitting on The View. Uh, It's just a big scam. They say something outrageous and everybody falls for it every single time. No one. I don't think anyone has actually ever seen an episode of The View. I don't think it's ever been witnessed. All right. So what did she say? Yeah, I know I'm falling for it, but I do have something I think more significant to say about all this. Yes, it's trivial. Yes, uh, the show is silly. Yes, she was wrong about what she said about the Holocaust. Uh, I don't want to cancel Whoopi, all right? I don't want to cancel anybody, quite frankly. I don't even want to cancel Snoop Dogg. Yeah. Look, Snoop, I'll get to Snoop Dogg in a second. Now, number, I'm sticking by, I'm, don't worry, nobody got to me, all right? That SOB has no business performing at my Super Bowl. And your Super Bowl, and his Super Bowl, and her Super Bowl, and some guy in Romania's Super Bowl. That is a global event. And you can't have some baked out stoner, cop hating misogynist headlining the program. You just you can't do it. But then again, there is a market for stoned up, woke, uh, Cop hating misogynist. Now I don't. Uh, I wouldn't be their cu- customer. Oops. Who the hell's this? <laughs> Gee, how dare these people call me? <laughs> just unbelievable. I just talked to this guy two minutes ago. <laughs> he knows I'm doing something. All right. Play with the whoopee thing. Let's be truthful about it because the Holocaust isn't about race. No, no, it's not about race. It's about man's inhumanity to man. That's what it's about. Let's talk about it for what it is. It's how people treat each other. Uh, Okay, she's wrong. Mm, You know, it was all about the Aryan race. They said they were a superior race and they were going to exterminate the inferior Jews. It was awful, horrific, corrupt evil thinking it was about race and this notion that somehow i don't know what did he, what did what did what did i don't even want to say his name adolf the weirdo with the mustache what did he fantasize about yeah the aryan race so there was a big racial component but she made a mistake there are people out there who think it was about religion and I can kind of understand why they would make that mistake. I, we don't sit around talking about the Aryan race much. Now, 
you know, most of us don't even think about history all that much. Everyone's consumed with what happened 30 seconds ago. So show me anybody who's read a book about World War II, anybody under the age of 30. I'm trying to think of all the books I've read about World War II. Not many, but I have read a couple. And I watched all those films growing up and the documentaries, The World at War. And You know what really was powerful? Movies of the week. Now, when I was growing up, the networks, ABC, NBC, CBS, they weren't woke and crazy like they are today. And they did these major uh, television events. Well, a major television event was when they repeated The Godfather. With minimal commercial interruption, it was a big deal. And half the country stopped what they were doing and watched The Godfather. That's why when you make a Godfather reference, everybody knows what you're talking about. Leave the gun. Take the cannolis. It's not that everybody went to see the movie. It's really more that everybody saw it on television at one point. Now we don't have any classic lines anymore because, well, not everybody goes and sees. You know what's happened to the media. It's all split up in a million different directions and... No one's ever watching the same thing, except kind of the Super Bowl. And I don't want to see Snoop Dogg and his cop-hating ilk there. But cop-hating, I guess, is kind of fashionable, although now they're very self-conscious about it because the cop-hating has led, guess what, to a couple of dead cops, which is horrible. So where does that leave us? Okay, yeah, back to Whoopi. She said something stupid on The View. Now they're trying to cancel her. I don't want her canceled. I don't want people canceled when they say something stupid, especially on Twitter. Twitter, you're supposed to throw a bunch of junk out there. It's just Twitter. She wasn't authoring, I don't know, the Dead Sea Scrolls. She was just, it was just a it was just something to fill time on that dopey show, The View. Dopey woke show. Now, guess what? There's always an internal thing going on. Somebody doesn't like Whoopi at WABC, ABC. Not this ABC, by the way. That ABC. It's a different ABC. She's making too much money. She's too. Uh, has got too much power. This is a time to take her down a peg or two, or maybe just get her off the pole altogether. So, um, here's another reason why I like Whoopi. And again, I don't agree with what she says, and here's where I, I don't, and I she's wrong. People make mistakes all the time. She said it was about man's inhumanity to man. Well, that was part of it, certainly, yeah. But there are people who haven't been on the edge of their seat following this stuff day in and day out, and quite frankly, we don't talk about it much as a culture, as a society. We don't. Probably should. Never forget, right? Never again. That was the mantra. Never again. Never again would we see genocide like this. Never again. Until the next genocide, of course. Didn't take long either. The Khmer Rouge, how many people did they kill in Southeast Asia, huh? How many people did Mao kill in China, hmm? How about the, uh, the, the Tutsis and the Hulus in Rwanda? I think it was... I, I, I honestly, I don't know who was uh, who was mad at who. I guess they were mad at each other. There was incredible genocide, and there has been genocide, and there will be genocide, unfortunately. And it's heartbreaking, and it's ridiculous that it happens. I remember listening to the Clinton administration bend over backwards, and they didn't have to bend too far. 
This is not our concern. This is not our matter. And you know what? I guess you could make that case. What the hell are we going to do going into Rwanda and breaking? Anyway, genocide has not gone away. And I'm not going to put the world's problems and all the screw-ups on Whoopi Goldberg. Yes, I know she's a liberal. Yes, I know she hates Trump. Yes, I know all those things. And you know what? That's her right. She's allowed to be that way. You're allowed to be. You're allowed to be whatever you want to be. You really are. Now, take the other day. Three people said horrible things about the funeral for the cop last Friday. Jason Rivera, 22. And by the way, the next funeral for Detective Mora, because we promoted him posthumously, and that's a good thing, will be tomorrow, I believe, right? So three people made spectacles out of themselves, complaining in different ways about the funeral. One was named, oh, shoot, uh, Guzman, I think, right? The actress. She said, ah, this is a big inconvenience for me, and that the cop probably made a mistake. Well, she made a mistake. She said something vile. She said something awful. What about learning? What about forgiveness? What about it's just too easy to go around firing people? And it's it would be very easy for me, by the way, to just say, ah, yeah, good riddance. They're the, on the left. They said something they shouldn't have said, and they're on the left, and I disagree with them. So screw them. And screw the guy who said, I just am not going to do it. It's too easy. And someday, given the situation we have, every the sensitivities all over the place, even you could find yourself in a situation where they're calling for your head. Now, the guy who does have a problem, and I think he probably violated the law, there's another individual who says he was openly threatening the cops at that funeral on his little TikTok, whatever, saying, I'm going to go to the next cop funeral and F things up. That guy should... Uh, be charged or whatever. But anyway, all that to say, I disagree with Whoopi, not only about this, but about a lot of other things. Over the years, from time to time, she has made me laugh. Uh, I saw Trump on that show once, and you know what? She gave him the benefit of the doubt. Sure, she's got Trump derangement syndrome. And I'll tell you another thing. I ran into her once. I'm not a friend of Whoopi's or anything like that. I, I, but I interviewed her once a long time ago, and uh, she's very nice. And then... And then I saw her at Radio City Music Hall for an awesome occasion. One of the coolest things I've ever done, watching The Godfather, part one and part two, on I guess it was the 30, 45th anniversary of The Godfather. It was awesome. Jam-packed full of Godfather lovers. Part one was shown and then part two. And you know who was sitting a few rows behind me? Um, Francis Ford Coppola, the director. And every now and then I'd look back and like, there he is watching his own movie. It was really great. And she was there. She's a real heart. Anybody who likes The Godfather has got to be okay. So is that an issue? Is that an issue with you folks? Got a problem with that? Jonathan in Fort Lee? Hello. Big fan. Um... I am a little surprised that you're giving Whoopi a pass on this. I think that anybody that's part of the human race for the last 75 years knows what she said was 100% wrong, and she doesn't really deserve a pass. It's just complete ignorance, and it just goes to the point that, you know, these, these so-called television hosts can say anything they want without even, like, 
getting like the knowledge that they should have before you're talking about stuff they shouldn't be talking about if they don't know about it. And it's a shame. And she shouldn't get a pass on this. She shouldn't get a pass. So what do you think the appropriate punishment no. should be? Just a mistake and that's it. Yeah. Yeah, Jonathan, I uh, I have to say I, I, I disagree. I, uh, I, I just, first of all, having been in television, and one of the things that makes me kind of effective on television is I know what I know and I know what I don't know, and I'm pretty upfront about that. They're just people who are kicking it around on a chit-chat show. you got to fill an – how long is that dumb show anyway? An hour? you got to gab every day for an hour and share it, share it with those others. So you think she should be penalized because she got – and what did you well do me a favor while I got you. So tell me again what she said that was that that made you say that this is unforgivable. I'm not saying it was unforgivable, but there should be some kind of um, suspension of some sort. Suspension. OK, so you don't want her fired, suspended. But wait a second. Do you think that it's possible that somebody could have forgotten? Like we don't I, I'm trying to think of the last time I heard the word Aryan Aryan race. And fortunately, I mean, it's not something that comes up every day, right? Right? No, it doesn't. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't come, come up, up every day. day. I mean, and I don't know if Whoopi went to college or not. You know what they're teaching in college these days. You know, like, so to not have this on the tip of her, t- I, I, I am going to cut her some slack. And, you know, if she said, I don't know, I think the parameters should be very broad. You know what? It's, how do you feel about cancel culture, Jonathan? How do you just feel about it? I think it's terrible. I think you think it's terrible. You think it's terrible. But here you want her fire. Well, actually, I think you first you wanted her fire. Now you want her suspended. But if we really don't like cancel culture, we have to push back against it when people go down that we don't like. Now, she has apologized in writing. She's apologized on television. I think she apologized today. She had some expert on from the ADL come on and say, you know, this is you're wrong and this is why you are wrong and this is how you are wrong. And quite frankly, I'm learning a few things about all this. I'm actually learning. You know, I, I forgot about the Aryan race and all that wretched, that wretched mentality. There's an opportunity here, Jonathan, maybe. Let's talk about that apology, that half-assed apology she gave. It wasn't an apology. It was almost like she doubled down, and she gave an excuse for her lame lack of knowledge. Like I said. All right, Jonathan. I mean, I I looked at it. It seemed like a pretty abject apology to me. But your mind's made up, and I appreciate it. Uh, But thanks for listening. Keep in touch. Well, let me just see if any. Diana, what do you think? Uh, Where the hell is – where are you calling from? You and I need to talk. Hi. Where is that? How are you? That's up near Port Jervis, New York. Do you know where that is? Port Jervis? Yeah, if you go to Middletown, New York, yeah. going, you come into Port Jervis. If you get off at Port Jervis, you drive around, All right. go into a little town. Okay? So what's up? Anyway, yeah, um, I guess I'm not going to be able to say a lot. I think the gentleman before me, you know, pretty much expressed how I feel. And um, I understand where you're coming from. But I will say that Whoopi has been doing this for far too long. She knows exactly what she's saying. Do you watch that show? No, I don't. I know. I I mean, how can you say she's been doing this for far too long? Because I used to watch it. I stopped watching it. When did you stop watching? When did you stop? I stopped watching. Yeah, when? The view. I just, like, look, the show is supposed to be stupid. 
The show is, is supposed stupid, to be dumb. But it's worse. It's not even, no. You know what? I don't label it stupid and dumb. These people are vicious. The things that they say, and they're not, they're not even for funding the police. They, you know, they throw all their opinions on the table. They say very, very nasty things. Are you mixing up Whoopi and Joy Behar by any chance? <laughs> no, I'm not mixing them up. When I say they, right, I I know, but uh, look, all right. So what are we going to do? I mean, you know what? It's a private, sh- it's a private company. Yes, they say vicious things. I don't like it when they say vicious things. I don't watch the View. I make fun of the clips. I couldn't stand Meghan McCain. I just, you know, it, 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 I just don't know where to take it, where to go with it. Now, so you want her fired too, right? You want her fired? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Oh. I said that to the caller. Well, that's what what's his name looking, wanted. Well, okay, well, he didn't. He just said he wanted. He hedged after I called him out. He hedged a little bit. He knew he he was he was okay. anyway. But all right. So no, what do you I'm want? Not, I'm not. I do not want her. her you know, fired at all. I do want a sincere apology with an explanation of why she viewed it the way she did, and and be and honestly say, all right, that was that was a that was definitely the wrong way. How was it? Gonna, it was racist. I, she has to admit it was. All right, all that. right, Diana. We'll see. I, look, I didn't see the show today. I guess I've uh, touched the nerve. And that's what you got to do every now and then. Listen, you don't want to be a, me to be a phony, right? You don't want want me to say just what I think exactly it is you want to hear. Every conservative host in the country is saying, yeah, go to hell, whoopee. I'm just not going to do it. Sorry. That's the way I feel. I don't agree with her. I don't like what she said. Oops, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm late. I got to take a break. You're listening to The Greg Kelly Show. Hey, remember all those lockdowns? Remember when we shut down everything? Remember when President Trump said out loud, you know, if we shut it all down, people will die. They will not be able to get treatment and we will have alcoholics and we will have drugs. He was damned right. And you know who's backing him up on this? Uh, None other than Johns Hopkins University. Looks like the lockdowns that we went through uh, saved. Let's see how many lives here. Basically zero. Basically zero. This is from Johns Hopkins. Uh, They know what they're talking about. Uh, They're pretty good. I'm going to read a summary from the Washington Times. Lockdowns in the United States and Europe had little or no impact in reducing deaths from COVID-19, according to a new analysis by researchers at Johns Hopkins University. The lockdowns during the early phase of the pandemic in 2020 reduced COVID-19 mortality by about 0.2%, said the broad review of multiple scientific studies. That's basically negligible, by the way. We find no evidence that lockdowns, school closures, border closures, and limiting gatherings have had a noticeable effect on COVID-19 mortality, the researchers wrote. The research paper said lockdowns did have devastating effects on the economy and contributed to numerous social ills. They have contributed to reducing economic activity, raising unemployment, reducing schooling, causing political unrest, contributing to domestic violence and undermining liberal democracy. Wow. Such a standard benefit cost calculation leads to a strong conclusion. Lockdowns should be rejected out of hand as a pandemic policy instrument, you think? Huh. Wow. 
Early on, many states and 186 countries imposed bans on work, socialization, in-person schooling, travel, and other restrictions to limit the spread of the disease, citing recommendations by top healthcare experts. Fauci. Hey, by the way, there were researchers at the Imperial College in London, for example, they predicted uh, that the lockdown could reduce deaths by up to 98%. You know, just because those people speak with British accents doesn't make them smart. Back to Johns Hopkins in America, by the way. Overall, we conclude that lockdowns are not an effective way of reducing mortality rates during a pandemic, at least not during the first wave of the COVID-19 pandemic. (laughs) This is wild. This is wild. Unbelievable. Oh, how about this? They did note that some evidence that closing bars, closing bars help reduce deaths. Now, listen to this. Closing non-essential businesses seems to have had some effect reducing COVID-19 mortality, which is which is likely to be related to the closure of bars. But there's more here. The researchers said the timing of lockdowns and unintended consequences may play a larger role than expected in affecting mortality. Lockdowns have limited people's access to safe outdoor places such as beaches, parks and zoos or included outdoor mask mandates or strict outdoor gathering restrictions pushing people to meet at less safe indoor places indeed we do find some evidence that limiting gatherings was counterproductive and increased covid-19 mortality you can't go to the beach but remember that portion where you could go to a bar you could go to the liquor store This is wild stuff. It should be the biggest story in the world right now. But it ain't because liberals in the mainstream media, number one, remember how self-righteous everybody was about that? Remember? Hmm? Uh, Oh, boy. Lauren in Manhattan. Hello. Yeah, hi. Um, Yeah, I absolutely did have a a drug and alcohol relapse. So uh, you're um, right on about that. And as far as Whoopi Goldberg is concerned, um, high school dropout, father left, she's self-made. I don't know if you've ever seen any of her work, an amazing talent. And I, uh, what I thought she said was that it was an example of man's inhumanity to man, which is uh, Burns, uh, a 1700, a Scottish poet, uh, and that it wasn't, a mat- it wasn't an issue of race. Uh, which it wasn't. The Jew, Ju- Judaism is not a race. So I, what am I missing? Well, as you know, listen, you point out, you're right. She didn't go to college. She didn't uh, She didn't do these things. Hey, by the way, uh, I'm sorry about your relapse. Um, how are you doing now? I spoke with Dominic last night. I'm, I'm, I'm getting back on my feet. Thank you. All right. Well, good to go there. Good to go. Um, Look, she said something that at first glance, there are people who would be like, I don't see the problem. But if you know a little bit more and you know that in some parts of the world, well, number one, if you go to Israel, uh, there are a lot of Jews who are non-white. And uh, by the way, I got Eli. I think he's a rabbi. He's on the phone. Uh, got to go to him real quick in Lakewood. Yes. Hello. Yeah, hi. Um, I'm just going to turn off the speakerphone. Yeah, hello. I'm an Orthodox Jewish rabbi. And um just wanted to say that. 
Um, you know, it's a terrible double standard because what she said in and of itself is not really egregious. It's factually wrong, completely wrong factually, but it wouldn't really make much of a difference. She probably did not mean it maliciously, and so it wouldn't really make much of a difference. The problem is, on the other side, they always make the, you know, they exaggerate it, and they take it so out of context. They make it much, much bigger deal than what it really is. A bunch of years ago, uh, Sarah Palin made some sort of comment about uh, that they were, they were doing a blood libel against her. And the liberals, the ADLs organization, they went bananas as if she had said the most anti-Semitic thing possible. She put Jewish lives in danger. Anytime you have, you know, the squad always saying such terrible things. There's yeah. thousands of missiles are raining down on the Jews in Israel. And the squad is, you know, egging it on. These are congresswomen of power who are egging it on. You can go online and egg on. The, the old kill all the Jews. You could do all that online. Yeah. But you say one word about, uh, you know, uh, some, the Justice Department, I think it was the other week. They made such a big deal. Some one guy threw out one little line about stopping some Chinese guy. Maybe he said something about putting Hey, a you're right about the double standard. Now, Rabbi, do me a favor. You said it wasn't malicious, but she's factually wrong. Do me a favor. You're the expert. You're the rabbi. And I agree with you, but you'll be better at expressing it. Just tell us how she was factually wrong. It was all about race. He was trying to kill the Jews, and he kept saying so. He said it explicitly endless numbers of times. And they were German Jews. These people were Germans. The yes. People were, well, well, hold on. I mean, you said she was factually wrong. So, And there are people who don't view the, Jew, the, the Jewish race. It's not viewed in racial terms. So, wait, what are you saying? She was wrong, right? She was wrong. Jewish people are a race, also a religion. Not everyone is actually religious, so it gets a little bit complicated in that way. But um, the Jewish people, there was a lot of anti-religious uh, sentiments among the Nazis. They kept talking about killing out the Talmud rabbis, and they did specifically uh, aim for um, the Jewish books. They did public burnings of Jewish books. They burned down synagogues on purpose. They gathered right, the Jews right. together no, and that... Yeah. So there definitely was a religious element to it, and there was a racial element. A racial component, certainly. It, All right. I'll, uh, Rabbi, i got to thank you so much. Uh, but thank you for that insight. Thank you for putting it in context. Uh, good stuff, sir, and thank you for listening. And uh, what's the deal here? All right, I do have to leave. All right, I'll be – what? What's – you, you, you may – all right, the sun is shining on you. I can't tell what signals you're making to me. Matt, what's the deal? All right, I do have to go. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, thank you, Rabbi. Thank you, Lauren. All right, hang in there. Sober life is the best life. I'll be right back. You're listening to The Greg Kelly Show. Wow. Everybody from Amazon.com to your neighbor was conned by Black Lives Matter. Wow. How much money have they Socked away for themselves. It would appear to be, let's do some calculations, uh, all of it. All of it. All of it went to nonsense. Uh, nonsense initiatives, awareness programs. That's all code for graft, by the way. And some of it is a bit more tangible. Uh, houses, mansions. You hear about all this stuff? The the, the, the woman who ran the joint, uh, millions of dollars in real estate. And now her wife lesbian couple uh the wife bought a mansion in canada this is crazy stuff and you know what so many companies companies that should know better just overnight it was a combination caving in slash falling all over themselves to virtue signal 
hoping that the mob would not look around their firms, their businesses, and say, uh, you don't have enough white, uh, you have too many white people working here, and that's a problem. We're going to protest and burn it down unless you uh, give us, how about $10 million? How does that sound? Uh, you think it's it? that's a lot of this, a lot of this. And we can have a separate conversation about why some places there is not all that much in the way of diversity. But guess what? It's not because they're being kept out. No. There are firms, any firm, would love it, love it to hire qualified people of color. All right? Now, (laughs) I'm sorry. It's true. For many of these positions, there is a shortage of people of color who are qualified. It's true. That is an unfortunate fact of life that no one seems to want to address. Because addressing it is hard. Addressing it, fixing it is hard. Now, playing the blame game, that's fun and easy. Social media shaming, that's fun and easy. Uh, Saying Black Lives Matter, putting on a T-shirt, walking down the street, that's easy. Raising a family, that's hard. Sticking around. From when a child is born all the way up through the age of 18 and keeping them in school, that's hard. But no, let's talk about some slave ship uh, from uh, 1700. Let's talk about that instead. Let's talk about how uh, we got to pay people reparations. Hey, somebody gave me a pretty interesting idea. Because reparations, there's a time and a place for reparations. Like when the United States government imprisoned Japanese Americans during World War II, Ronald Reagan approved reparations to people who were actually imprisoned during World War II. And why were they imprisoned? Because of their race, Japanese, their ethnicity. Can you believe that? It happened. In my lifetime, it happened. It also happened in my, well, the imprisonment didn't happen, but the reparations happened in my lifetime. And I'm glad they happened. I saw Ronald Reagan stand to, uh, next to Senator Inouye from Hawaii. That guy, crazy liberal Democrat, by the way, but also a war hero. And uh, he found himself in a prison camp at one point because of his heritage. And mistreated. And a lot of other people. Who was the other one? I think it was Norm Mineta. Norm Mineta served on, uh, anyway, very important man. He was Transportation Secretary, I think, under Bush and Clinton. He was interred in his own lifetime. Reparations. You know what we need, though? Reparations from China. Don't we owe China like $2 trillion? How about we tear up that loan? How about we make that go away? That's a form of reparations for all the crap they put us through. For all the, man, that was, that was intense. So I uh, we know that Black Lives Matter management uh, squandered the money. What about all the money that went to lesser-known groups? Because there are a lot of them out there. And big companies from Apple Computer to Google to um, IBM, they were just throwing money and making ludicrous statements about equity on their websites, hoping that the mob would not hassle them. 
Now, here we are almost two years later. I'd like to know what good has any of this money done? Where is the improvement? Where, where, where What happened? Nothing. You paid off a bunch of activists. Uh, you bought peace for your HR department temporarily. But nothing really was achieved at all. But money does matter a lot more than black lives, apparently. Money seems to matter more than black lives. Black lives matter. I agree with the sentiment, of course. I don't agree with the organization and their ridiculous ideals, like dismantling the nuclear family and somehow that trans folk are better than uh, uh, men who are heterosexual. It's all in there. It's all in their hateful ideology that companies that should have known better should have spent time evaluating and looking at it before they wrote checks for $10 million or $100 million or $50 million. Where is that money now? And what good has it done? Zero. Zero. Jeff in Brooklyn, hello. Hi there. First of all, I wanted to clear up this Nazi race classification once and for all. First of all, the Nazis were critical race theorists. They were socialists, national socialists. And they had a conference called the Wansi Conference where all the big intellectuals and PhDs gathered together and established the racial laws. And they said in their law that if you had one biological Jewish grandparent, you were Jewish according to their risk calculations, and you were to be disposed of. It didn't matter what, what, if you were a, a monk in a monastery or a nun in a convent, if you had one Jewish biological grandparent, you were Jewish, and you were to be disposed of. Now, if we take that, that same theory and bring it to America and substitute white for Jews or maybe cops for Jews, you get the same critical race theory. Yikes. Yikes. Jeff, how do you know all this stuff about history? Because I listen to you guys all day. By the way, the difference between them and the Soviet socialists, the Soviets socialists classified everybody by economic class, the Nazis by race. Now, I want to morph into one more subject. In, in Hungary, when the Nazis went there, they didn't have enough troops to dispose of the Jews there, and a lot of Jews wow. went into hiding. And so Eichmann had to rely on the local Hungarian population uh, to, to find out where the Jews were hiding. One of those local people was George Soros, and he fingered Jews to the Nazis. Wait, hold on Soros, a second. How old is George Nazi Soros? Nazi war criminal. How, yeah, no, in I, his 90s. He's in, he's his... in his 90s, all right? Yeah, he was he's... a youth back then, yeah. and he fingered. He came from a Catholic practicing family, and he was allowed to walk around. Wait a second. I thought George Soros was Jewish. How could he be Jewish? If he was Jewish, he would have been. Calm down. Calm down. Calm down. Calm down. I thought he was Jewish. But uh, listen, we're talking about George Soros today. I don't know anything about this. I will take a look at it. But uh, I've heard murmurings. Jeff, I thank you very much. Uh, Yeah, Soros is uh, uh, quite a character. I did think he was. Anyway, what? I, I don't know. I uh, wait a second here. Born in Budapest to a non-observant Jewish family, Soros survived the Nazi occupation of Hungary. Let's see here. He was born in 1930, and a lot of this stuff was going on in the 30s. And this guy is saying, I don't know, I don't know. It seems like a lot of reasons to not like George Soros. I don't know if that's one of them. Uh, we'll check it out. All right, uh, all right. One more, Judith. Yes, Judith in Brooklyn. Hello. Yes. Are uh, you calling on me, Greg? I can hear. I'm sorry. Hello. Yes. What is it? Hi. You know, 
I'm realizing that people don't know anything much about the Holocaust. They throw it around like, you know, it's like, you know, whatever. There is a book called The Holocaust, Greg. It's, a, it's unfortunately a really a very informative book. It's like over 800 pages by Martin Gilbert. The Holocaust by Martin Gilbert. It's got, unfortunately, pictures in there, atrocities of women all lining up, all undressed, waiting to be shot. It's got synagogues burning. It's got okay. And it's testimony. It's not. It's like not opinion. This is testimonials, 800 pages of it. If people want to really find out about the Holocaust, they're gonna. It's it's horrible. I mean, it took me three months to just get ready to read this book. I said I'm not gonna cry. <laughs> I didn't stop crying. It was uh, awful. I mean, if you would see what. All right. I know. I know. There are, there are books documenting all of this, and uh, I think we have a duty to read them. I think we have a duty to read them, Judith. I do. And you know what? You know what? This was a matter of killing every Jew. It was like if you were half Jewish, any kind of blood of Jewish, that's what he wanted to do in all countries. It was like they were hunted down. Well, hey, we won, though. We beat those Nazis. We beat them bad. And we can never forget. All right. I got to reset, regroup, get a quick snack. Be right back. Greg Kelly, the latest breaking news and opinions, entertaining and informative. You know, for a little while there, I thought Eric Adams was taking the hint and keeping a lower profile. But nope. Nope. He's still out there making a spectacle out of himself. This is uh, the attention. It's too addictive. Uh, And the potential for donations, um, uh, for who knows what, for cash, it's just too, too much fun. Much more fun than doing the work. Much more fun than rolling up your sleeves and uh, coming up with a real plan, a real plan of action to help people, to help cops. Now, running around and bragging that, you know, Joe Biden. Actually, that's not only that's not only attention seeking. That's that's actually bad politics. But there he was bragging that he knows Joe Biden and Joe Biden loves Eric. Just ask Eric. I'm the Biden of Brooklyn. And I love the fact that the president is coming here. I met with him uh, after the campaign and we spoke and we just connected, you know, and I'm sure if you were to ask him, what is his favorite mayor? He'll clearly tell you it's Eric, you know, <laughs> we just, you know, we, we just, you know, just really like each other. Um, was Eric just elected uh, uh, class president of his middle school? or mayor of the city of New York? Because I'm getting a real middle school intelligence vibe from Eric. And what's up with referring to yourself in the third person anyway? Eric. And um, so sounds like he was uh, he has achieved um, uh, student council presidency in uh, PS51. And uh, although at sometimes he just sounds like he's the emperor of New York, huh? Have you ever heard this kind of stuff? People are going to try to take everything I say and distort it, but I'm focused. I'm yeah. disciplined and I'm grinding to bring my city All back. Right. He says it a lot, my city. How about our city? He says my police department. How about our police department? There's something wrong with that. I think we have an egomaniac on our hands. An egomaniac who has no business having an outsized ego. Who's not smart. 
Joe Biden is obviously one of the worst presidents we've ever had. And can I hear one more time how tickled he is that he's going to get to meet the president? I'm the Biden of Brooklyn. And I love the fact that the president is coming here. I met with him uh, after the campaign and we spoke and we just connected. connected. And I'm sure if you were to ask him what is his favorite mayor, he'll clearly tell you it's Eric. You know, (laughs) are we going to are we going to continue? This is like a child. You're going to ask for his autograph, Eric, get a couple of selfies, Eric. There's a child in the in City Hall, a child. Now, I can't blame the city, by the way, because we didn't elect this guy. We did not elect this guy. There are eight million people who live in New York. And given our stupid, cloistered, little incestuous political machine here, only 240,000 people were needed to make this guy mayor. 240, if that. Remember that whole rank choice voting? Or as I like to call it, rigged choice voting. We used to uh, <laughs> know the results publicly, like right away. And uh, no, they behind the scenes. No, oh, this person, we put these votes in that pot and that pot. Uh, just crazy stuff. And now we have Eric, the Biden of Brooklyn. Hey, if he wants to be known as the Biden of Brooklyn, I just might start calling him that. The Biden of Brooklyn. This is the guy you want to emulate, huh? The Biden of Brooklyn. What's he's even worse than I thought. By the way, he's fooled a bunch of people saying, oh, Eric's going to be tough on crime. He wants to bring back the anti-crime unit. Oh, yeah. The anti-crime unit. I was just reminded and Curtis Sliwa and I have been talking about this for a bit. The anti-crime unit is plain clothes. But the way Eric Adams will configure them, they will be wearing police hats. So everybody knows that they're cops. That defeats the whole purpose, you dummy. It really is amazing. Bloomberg. Giuliani. Eric. The Biden of Brooklyn. The Biden of Brooklyn. Speaking of Biden. Um, <laughs> look. I know it sounds trivial, but if you'll lie about the small stuff, you'll lie about the big stuff. Okay. We know that Joe Biden lies about everything, literally the small stuff and the big stuff. I'm going to show you how he's got caught in yet another lie, and then I'll take you right to the big stuff. All right. Now, did you hear that Jill Biden, the wife, the first lady, whatever, Dr. Jill Biden, excuse me, she got a cat. And the fake news, oh, boy, they fell in love with it already. Cut 43, please. Two-year-old Willow is named after First Lady Jill Biden's hometown of Willow Grove, Pennsylvania. A two-year-old short-haired tabby named for the First Lady's hometown of Willow Grove, Pennsylvania. She's named for the First Lady's hometown of Willow Grove, Pennsylvania. Got it? Willow Grove, Pennsylvania. But I'm like, wait a second. I seem to remember Joe Biden yelling his head off about his wife being from Philadelphia. Not Willow Grove which is about 30 miles away. And uh, would you like to hear Joe Biden doing just that? At the town hall in Pennsylvania in September of 2020 on CNN, Cut 44. Our next questioner is uh, Leah Connolly, a Democrat from Philadelphia. She's a program coordinator and museum educator. Leah? Philly girl. I married a Philly girl. Ooh, Philly girls are the best. (laughs) (laughs) 
I married a Philly girl. You see, I'm connecting. I'm connecting. I'm connecting. What the hell happened to Willow Grove? I'm from Garden City on Long Island. All right? Now, I understand that has certain connotations. I also I grew up in Baldwin. At second grade, we moved to Garden City. And graduated from Garden City High School. If I choose to run for uh, elected office, which, by the way, people are talking to me all the time about, all the time. And let me just say this. I am flattered, but at this point, I am uh, I'm not committing to anything. But you can call me a liar if I run around New York saying I'm a Brooklyn boy. I'm a Brooklyn boy. No, I'm not. I grew up in Nassau County. Saying I'm a Brooklyn boy if I were seeking office in New York City might help me a little bit. A little bit authentic. A little bit more authentic. Right? Why does Joe Biden say this when she's really from the town down the road? Cut 44 one more time. Our next questioner is uh, Leah Connolly, a Democrat from Philadelphia. She's a program coordinator and museum educator. Leah? Philly girl. I married a Philly girl. Ooh, Philly girls are the best. <laughs> What's so good about Philly girls anyway? With the way Joe Biden was saying that, and that's not the only time. Ah, Philly girl, she's tough. Like, like being from Philadelphia is somehow badass. Um, by the way, so that's a little thing. And he lies about things that are, and then this is a warm-up lie. And here's a slightly bigger lie, lying about getting arrested. I've never been arrested, but Joe Biden uh, <laughs> really wants you to think that he's been arrested. Cut 45. Seems like yesterday, the first time I got arrested. Anyway, I had the great honor of meeting him. I had the great honor of being arrested with our U.N. ambassador. Me by the shoulder, said you're under arrest. Yeah, none of that's true. Joe Biden exaggerates to the point of lying. Joe Biden now says, seems to think that anytime he talks to a cop, it's akin to getting arrested. He's been caught on in this so many times, yet he continues with the lie, just like he's been caught so many times over the years saying that he has been shot at. But he hasn't been. And here he goes again. This is not long ago. Cut 46, talking to a bunch of people at the State Department. You have great personal courage. I've been with some of you when we've been shot at. You hear that? Shot at. They asked him about it later. And he said, well, I was in the area where bullets landed. Well, that's like anybody who's ever been to Israel. I mean, that's a big difference. If I hear gunfire outside, which I do now more and more, it doesn't mean anything doesn't mean they were aiming the gun at me and trying to shoot me. Although, by the way, that has happened. I actually have been shot at in war during the invasion of Iraq and once, coincidentally, in Israel. I can tell you about that some other time where people actually aimed a gun and shot it at me. I never really, if I did run for politics, I don't think I'd run around saying uh, I was shot at. I don't know what. You know, if anything, it just raises questions about my judgment, I would suppose. But those are just harmless, not harmless, but those are indicators. Here are far more serious lies that affect all of us. Cut 47, please. So no one, no one told your military advisors did not tell you, no, we should just keep 2,500 troops. It's been a stable situation for the last several years. We can do that. We can continue to do that. No, no one said that to me that I can recall. That I can recall. Hmm. Well, that gives him a little bit of wiggle room. 
Oh, I forgot. And Joe is forgetting a hell of a lot. A hell of a lot. He also seems to forget. Let's let's give Trump credit, by the way. The New York Post and Donald Trump, me, Rudy Giuliani, and about three other people in the entire country who have media platforms, significant media platforms. Yeah, I've been talking about Hunter Biden's laptop. Oh, and most importantly, top of that list is Miranda Devine of the New York Post, who wrote a book about it, The Laptop from Hell, which should be the most talked about book in the universe, but it's not. Wonder why. Cut 48, please. Remember the laptop from hell when they found it? What did they say? The Russians did it. Oh, the Russians did it. Remember that? That turned out to be, like everything else, totally false. Can you imagine when he realized that his laptop from hell was missing and that they found it? But the fake news didn't even want a great book on that was done. The fake news didn't even want to talk about it. They didn't want to talk about it. Great book indeed. Laptop from Hell by Miranda Devine. It's all there. Why wouldn't they? What do they owe Joe Biden? What does Joe Biden have on the media? Huh? They don't have anything on him, but they're just uh, they're out for themselves. It's it's actually very com- I can't put my finger on it. Why they're letting this guy off the hook? Oh, but things might be changing. I hear the New York Times is suing the State Department. They want Hunter's emails. Now, they could look at the laptop, but they want to get it another way. Uh, Be right back. This is The Greg Kelly Show. I always love, I always love the first day of a month. It does feel like another chance for a new beginning, you know? Your resolution's not doing so hot or whatever, you know? Just, uh, I know what you mean. I've been there. Yeah, yeah. This, in 2022, as a matter of fact. So far, so good. Today, at least. All right? I got myself to the gymnasium. I don't care where that gym is. I happen to have one that's very convenient. It's uh, it's in my house. And I find it very difficult to motivate. Uh, I also find it very easy to not go for that jog when it's uh, 25 degrees out or 11 degrees out. But for a while there, I was very good about it. Anyway, the day is not over. I intend to go for a jog tonight. You do feel so good afterwards. So this morning I did get myself to the gymnasium. I threw the weights around. I did a pretty good job. Most importantly, I read the Bible. And this is the some this is the one thing the one thing that needs to be my total and complete priority more than anything else. And I've told you this before that a day where I go to that Bible first and not to the phone and not to the TV and not to anything else because it will all be there. The world and all its corruption and all its temptation, it'll all be there. Why not start the day first with God? You can, I can, it's within all of our reach. He is, he wants to talk to us. It's all He's waiting. It's right there. Why not? I don't have a good answer for why not. I don't know. I have a good answer for why I would go to Twitter before I'd go to the Bible. Well, I just got to make sure that everything's okay. Uh, I just got to make sure. I got to see what people are saying about me. You never know what happened overnight. There's always some excuse to do something that's not good for you. 
So when I really am honest with myself, more often than not, I can't go, I don't go right to that Bible first. But I do go to it. And that's, I am another person from what I was 10 years ago. Another person. Totally, totally, totally different. And I'm grateful. If you told me 10 years ago, Greg, you're going to change and be totally, totally, totally different. I'd be like, what are you talking about? Uh, <laughs> I don't want to change. I mean, I want, I want, I want more money, and I want, I, I want maybe I want to lose a few pounds. But I don't. I, what do you, what do you mean change? I mean change everything, buddy. Everything. Uh, get the hell out of here. I, I've had too much fun. There's safety in my. Uh, there's safety and security in my limitations. Anyway, I will let you know tomorrow. Uh, I would say three days for a while there. I was going to the Bible first. Oh, I went. So I, I did go to it today. Look, I got a lot going on right now, and I am making an excuse here. I got two babies at home, a brand new house, and uh, plenty of responsibilities. And I am blessed to have them, not complaining whatsoever. Would like a little bit more time, a little bit more breathing room, but that's okay. That's okay. And by the way, maybe reading it first thing in the morning is not for me. Maybe I'll wait till I get to the office, get to the office, and then maybe I could do it there. I do like to set the tone. Why not? Maybe I should do it that way. And I was reading the Psalms today, 139, 140, 141. They're very, actually, 39, 40, and 41. They're brief. They're not that long. Uh, but there are a lot of them. Moish, Moish from Queens, who is this? Hey. How are you? Hi. What's your name? Hi. Moshe. What's up, pal? Um, what's up? So as a Jew, um, I'm obviously interested in this thing with Whoopi Goldberg saying that the Holocaust wasn't um, about race. Um, and and I sort of understand where she's coming from because, like, a lot of people view Judaism as a religion, not as a race. Um, when when I fill out a questionnaire and they ask me for my race, I say I'm white. Don't say I'm Jewish. Yeah, so, I mean, maybe we shouldn't be giving her such a hard time. I mean, it is a race. We can find out. We can talk about that. But a lot of people don't see it that way. They don't do it through maliciousness, right? They just don't know enough. Is that right? Right. I mean, is, is it saying, like, anti-Semitism is, is, is racism? I mean, it's called anti-Semitism for a reason. Yeah, I uh, listen, I think it's, uh, well, we'll see. Look, everyone forgets everything, unfortunately, but hopefully they learn a little bit about what's being to- talked about right now. Tell me anything else, Mo. Oh, shoot, the music is up. Stick around if you can. I'll be right back. You're listening to The Greg Kelly Show. Hey, big shooting at uh, King's Plaza Mall. I see that place is still uh, <clears throat> interesting. I used to go there as a kid, uh, Breezy Point. We would spend summers there, and uh, not the entire summer, special like 4th of July, go see my grandparents and my cousins, the Blairs, on Jamaica Walk. And every now and then we'd go over to King's Plaza to see a movie, and uh, that was always a lot of fun. And now there was a great big shooting there. Shootings are happening all over the place. But don't worry, because who's on the case? The Biden of Brooklyn. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, skip that. I don't want to hear from Eric Adams right now. I really just, I'm sorry. Uh, very briefly, I told you about uh, the Snoop Dogg performing yesterday. Phil Mushnick wrote that great piece in the New York Post. Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre. Dr. Dre is the guy who came up with F the Police. Snoop Dogg singing it up and down. All kinds of things about his hoes. That's his word, hoes, who have failed him or disappointed him in some way, shape, or form. All kinds of violence sanctioned against the police. These guys sing about it, dance about it, and they'll be singing and dancing at the Super Bowl. And it got me thinking, okay, now this has been a slow but steady decline in Super Bowl entertainment. And part of it is the virtue signaling uh, Roger Goodell and a lot of other scaredy cats who just uh, want to appear virtuous, the virtue signaling. You know, join the mob so the mob doesn't come after you. Buy the mob off. But I know it wasn't always like this in my lifetime. I'm like, I'm like, I'm thinking about this. I kind of, no way. I mean, I know it's been sliding. But so I picked a random year. I just said Super Bowl halftime show 1990. And guess, you want to know how they celebrated the 1990? Uh, it was the 40th anniversary of Snoopy. Not Snoop Dogg, but Snoopy. Snoopy and Charlie Brown and Linus and Lucy and the whole crew. And they had a great, big, happy celebration. Listen to this. Cut 32. Wow. What a great birthday party. That was Charlie Brown. That was literally Charlie Brown. Now, let's face it, the music sucked. <laughs> kind of nauseating. Uh, but good for the whole family, right? I don't want to hear about bitch-ass N-words and uh, how you want to bust a, bust a cap or cap a pop or whatever the hell you have, whatever that slang is for shooting a cop, which you guys like to sing about, you guys. I'm talking about you, Dr. Dre. I'm talking about you, Snoop Dogg. And J5 and J Wow and your whole little posse. Actually, J Wow is one of the uh, Jersey Shore girls. Not her. But you know what I'm talking about. There's got to be something in, in between, right? Something in between, say, uh, this, cut 27. You can't trust these police. You can't trust these police. Okay, something between that. And say this, 32 again. You know, man, too bad Whitney Houston is dead. She'd be perfect. Wow. Anybody remember? Anybody remember when she sang, uh, what did she sing? She sang, uh, the national anthem. It was totally beautiful. I see you guys only got two parts of the Roger Goodell thing, but here's Roger Goodell, the greedy commissioner of NFL, who doesn't deserve to be the commissioner. NFL is bigger than him. It's bigger than the owners now. It's a global brand. I think everybody kind of owns a piece of it. And he's going to push uh, Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg down our throats. Hey, by the way, I don't want these guys canceled. There are plenty of places they can go to make their money however they want to make it. But on the global stage, Super Bowl halftime show, no. But Roger, Roger Goodell, Roger Goodell, who's the uh, son of a senator, you know that song? Senator, I ain't no senator's son. This 
This privileged little wuss. Cut 28, please. Listen to him. This is during the summer of Black Lives Matter. This is the guy who, for a little while, told, um, who's that guy who was always kneeling? The hell's his name? Colin Kaepernick told him to stand up, kind of went to war with him, but then caved, just folded, cut 28. It has been a difficult time for our country, in particular, black people in our country. First, my condolences to families of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, and all the families who have endured police brutality. We, the National Football League, condemn racism and the systematic oppression of black people. I think Roger Goodell and other virtue signaling uh, white people get off on saying black people. I do. There's something like because race was, you know, for the most part, it's not talked about up until recently. It's not really acknowledged even. You know, only people I quite frankly, I think, with hangups go around talking about race all the time. White people, black. Oh, that's I think that's that's kind of like what they do. People with hangups. Most people don't have hangups. I think he, he got some sort of perverse pleasure by being a white man. And saying and talking about oppressed black people. I do. I think that, uh, you know why? Because that that showed him, that solidified his power, his position. Look at how powerful I am. Look at all the work I want to do for the oppressed. It's a virtue signal right there. It gets even more nauseating. Next cut. We, the National Football League, believe black lives matter. I personally protest with you and want to be part of the much-needed change in this country. He protests with them. Without black players, there would be no National Football League. And the protests around the country are emblematic of the centuries of silence, inequality, and oppression of black players, coaches, fans, and staff. We are listening. Centuries? I am listening. And I will be reaching out to players who have raised their voices and others on how we can improve and go forward for a better and more united NFL family. NFL family. Stop it with your NFL family. All right. You're a multi-billion dollar exploitive business. NFL family. And if you cared about black people like you profess to in your smug, condescending way, you would not be featuring Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre. Centuries, centuries, he says. How long has the NFL been around, anyway? Centuries. Wait, there was something else he said there. We protest with you. What does that even mean? This basically means we don't want any trouble. Please, just let us give you money. We'll, we'll, we'll put Black Lives Matter stickers all over the place. Just don't give us any trouble. Then he said there'd be no NFL without black football players. Well, that's true. But that's kind of a problematic thing to contemplate, isn't it? I mean, let's go let's go through this. Uh I guess there'd be no Wall Street without white traders, right? I mean, would there be uh would there be most law firms on Park Avenue if there weren't white lawyers? I, I I don't know what the point is there. I just, 
Is that how you see the world, Roger? $63 million a year this guy makes. That's, what is that, 12, what is that, 1.2 million a week or something like that? I mean, that's just, I guess you will say and do anything to keep that kind of prestige status. Me, I would be good after a couple of weeks on the job. <laughs> I just, you couldn't make me say anything to keep a job like that. Whatever happened to saving your money? I mean, what does he blow it all on private jets? This guy, hey, very strange, very weird world, don't you think? But don't forget the riots that you saw in 2020 and 2021 over exaggerated and hyped up police violence against black people. It's nothing compared to January 6th, right? January 6th. It's all about January 6th. And how dare Donald Trump even think about pardoning those January 6th people, right? Isn't that right, Lindsey Graham? Oh, you know, I used to give you the benefit of the doubt. This uh, swamp guy, Republican senator from South Carolina, what a wuss. Now, wasn't he just reelected? What a shame. Cut 36, please. I think that was outrageous. I mean, there, uh, it, uh, it just is simply outrageous uh, for him to say that and do that. I think it's inappropriate. I, I don't want to reinforce that defiling the Capitol was okay. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do anything that would make this more likely in the future. And I want to deter people who did what the on yes. January the 6th, and those who did it, I hope they go to jail and get the book thrown at them because they deserve it. Get the book thrown at them because they deserve it. And he's, that sounds good. You know why? I mean, that feels good for uh, Lindsay because he's appeasing the mob. He's getting his head patted by the mob, and that's what they want. They want kind of validation from the swamp, the mob, whatever you want to call it. Hey, by the way, one other thing about the uh, President Trump's appearance the other night. He handles like the political chores that you're supposed to at a big event like that and a small event. He always nails it. You know, there are a bunch of VIPs who show up and he always, always acknowledges them. And this is harder than you think. And you know what it also suggests and shows? He's got really good staff, really good people working for him and dotting all the I's, crossing the T's. Uh, This is harder than you might think. Listen to this. This is cut 38. This is just him thanking people, but it works. And again, there's a there's an art here. Cut 38. We have a lot of congressmen, warriors with us. So congressmen and representatives, just great people. We'll start. Brian Babin. Where's Brian? Brian. Thank you, Brian. Judge Mark Keogh. Judge. Thank you, Mark. Gonzalez Mayor. Connie Kassir. Connie Kassir. Thank you. Thanks, Connie. We're also joined by one of the greatest pitchers, easily one of the greatest pitchers in baseball history, Roger Clemens with his incredible wife, Debbie. Roger. Where's Roger? Look at him. Thank you, Debbie. (laughs) He's getting it all. It's harder than you think. You want you want proof? Watch Joe Biden try the same thing. Listen to this. Uh, cut thirty nine. And it's great to be uh, 
to be with your with members of Congress here. Maggie Hassan, Senator Jeannie Shaheen, Representative Amy Custer, uh, Annie Custer. I want to thank uh, uh, and recognize a guy that uh, I can't believe all he's done, Dr. John John King King Song King Gusong. I apologize. I want to thank the the, the uh, former general. I keep calling him General, but my my uh, the guy who runs that outfit over there. Uh, I want to make sure we thank the secretary for all he's done. I can't uh, think of anyone better to lead this operation than than uh, uh, Deanne uh, uh, Chriswell of, uh, of FEMA. You don't have to thank me, Joe. Don't thank me. I'm fine. No, I didn't do it. It's okay. It's okay, Joe. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, the latest breaking news and opinions, entertaining and informative. All right, I got to do these calls real quick. Uh, Pete in Brooklyn, hello. Greg, how you doing? Good. Pleasure to listen to you. Thanks. I just want to bring out, I, I saw your tweet yesterday. I called the NFL office and I told them my opinion. I said, this guy shouldn't be on, on the halftime show. Because of the lyrics in his song, it's just it's just not appropriate, um, you know. And I think more people should do that. You know, people should voice out their opinion. We pay to listen. We watch these shows. It's income for them. They should listen to us. What did they say on the phone? Well, the guy, it was a receptionist. He said, "Yeah, okay, hold on." He put me onto a um, a voicemail. I left my message, and I called again today. Oh, <laughs> I love call it every day. I love it. I love it. Uh, Look, I think it's probably a done deal with that group, but uh, you never know. You never know. You never know. And uh, maybe the word's going to get out there. Uh, we've got to do our part. And you know what? I've I've, uh, I've promoted the hell out of it, and I put the phone number up. I have neglected to call myself. I'll do so. Maybe I should do so right now. What the hell's the number here? 212. Um, let me find it. I'll, get, I'll, 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 I'll do it shortly. Thank you, pal, very much. You're right. Um, let's see here. Uh, Gene, I see you called the NFL as well. I did, Greg. I, I heard you give us the phone number yesterday. And, uh, I also listened to those two games on Sunday and they were such good games and they were so exciting. Each team wanted to win. And then I got the post yesterday and I saw the halftime entertainment and I was so disappointed and wondered what I could do about that. And then I heard your show. And someone mentioned the NFL number, and then you repeated it, and I called them. And I did the same thing as the man ahead of you of me uh, said. Now I left my message. I love it. I love it, uh, Gene. Uh, yeah, those games were uh, pretty t- I must say, I don't watch it anymore. I don't know what the hell it is. Sometimes I feel like I'm missing out. Am I missing out? Should I start watching again? I don't know. I don't know. Am I? Well, I, I listen to it on battery-operated radio. The, t- the 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 games, yeah. You listen to the games on the radio. Ever since the, the Sandy Surge, Greg, I've been using battery operated radios. Huh. Well, good for you. That's kind of a like an interesting exercise for the brain, Gene. That's interesting. Very interesting indeed. Thank you so much. Uh, I appreciate it. Wait a second, Frankie in Brooklyn. Hello. Hi, Craig. Yeah. yeah uh... We were talking about uh, King's Plaza. Yeah. You, you went there when you was a kid. You went to the theater and stuff like that. 
Well, well, we built that. I worked in that theater. I, I put the lights in and the piped out the lights and the, the, the uh, you know, where the runway is. You know, when you go down to the seats, I worked in Alexander's. And we used to go to the, at the airport lounge across the street. So that was a while back. Yeah. Hey, uh, Alexander's. Remember Alexander's? What do you do now? Well, I'm retired now. I mean, that was 52 years ago. <laughs> that old, huh? Yeah. yeah. No, I used to look. There was a girl I liked who lived not too far from there. Her name was Kerry. And her mom, Francine, still listens to the show. Great people. And they lived on 57th Street. And King's Plaza was, like, very close to where they lived. And I associated King's Plaza with all good things uh, it's amazing. Frankie, thanks for your thanks for the work there. My my grandparents would go to the movies all the time. I went like twice. My grandparents went a lot over the years, and thank you for guiding them safely to their seats. Um, wait a second. Somebody was on hold for a long time. Uh, Tony, Tony, what's the deal, Tony? Hello. Hey, hey, Greg, thanks for letting me finish up. I just wanted to uh, uh, commend those people that you had at the beginning of the show with Whoopi Goldberg. But I think also what we should do is when we see people like Whoopi Goldberg, who's really ignorant about history, we should take that energy and that disdain and the feelings that we have, put them in a file, stick them in the back of our brain, and then pull them out when it comes time to vote. And let's vote so that we can get good people in using these people as kind of like a reference to um, the left and the Democrats so we can get these people out of here so we can get some good people in. But let's take it to the voting and vote these people. Uh, let's vote these people out. All right. Democrats. I mean, what's her name? Whoopi doesn't is not exactly a member of Congress. She sits on that chair in The View. It's a dopey show to begin with. It's supposed to be dopey. These people and the energy that they were talking um, that you had on, um, we should just take that power. And then instead of being so like, Wait. I guess, uh you know, nervous about it, just take that power and remember it and just go back and uh, and vote. Well, yeah, I mean, we always got to vote, but that doesn't mean you can't pipe off, uh, you know, um, in February. It's a long way till Election Day. But, uh, no, I like where you're coming from, Tony. Thank you very much. And uh, all right. I'm in a bit of a rush here. Two more. Walker in Bergen County. Yes. Hello. Hello, Greg. Hey, uh, that thing with the NFL. You know what gets their message? Cut your cable. You know, don't pay for the cable. Well, you can get uh, you can get that over your antenna too. You know that, right? Digital the, antenna. What does cable have to do with it? Hey, by the way, I work on well, a cable station. No, you pay a lot of money for cable. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> cable TV. Well, I'm sorry. Uh, no, I mean, I'm just telling you. Like CBS, NBC, WABC, you can get that via. You can get that for free over a an antenna, which people buy now. So it has nothing to do with. It doesn't. I don't. I don't. NBC, I don't – anyway, I don't know. It's neither here nor there, I think, Walker. I appreciate it, though. Uh, don't cut your cable, if you don't mind. Uh, Charles in Fair Long, New Jersey. Good morning, Greg. Hi. Nice to talk to you. Uh, Soros went undercover during the war. Uh, there were some people who hit out. Some people were hit by uh, righteous Christians. So some people were saved by uh, not wearing the yellow star and just hiding someplace. So uh, well, he, he was, was Jewish. He was he 10 is. years old, 10 years old when the war started. Listen, I am no George Soros fan, but I'll be talking about him tonight at Newsmax at 7 o'clock. I'll see you then. Sorry to the rest of the callers. Take care. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? 
the federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.